Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with his sermon entitled, The Heart is the Matter, preached on August 6, 1995. If we cry out to God this morning and say, God, what is the matter? He would answer us, heart is the matter. Heart is the matter, and most people die in this country because of the heart. And all people who die spiritually, they die because of the heart. Heart is the matter. That is the subject we want to speak this morning. Heart is likened in this portion of Scripture to soil. So you may want to use another title, soil analysis. If you are a farmer, you are buying some land for agriculture, you better analyze that soil ahead of time because it may not grow the things you want to grow on that soil. If you want to build a building, you better do some soil analysis and make sure that that soil is proper one to build a building upon. In Matthew 13, we are given seven parables. And in Matthew 12, of course, the authorities to whom were given clear evidences of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. They were given clear evidences, and yet they declared that Jesus Christ is not the Messiah. He's not the son of David at all, but he is a demon-possessed person contributing greatly to the kingdom of Satan. From this point on, you begin to see a change in the ministry of Jesus Christ, particularly to the crowds. He now begins to teach mostly in parables. A parable is a story taken from real life situation from which a spiritual truth is drawn. It is a simple earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And people have written many books on parables. And many people have obtained their PhDs from theological seminaries. And yet it is not very easy to interpret parables. We must at least know this much generally. A parable has one chief point of comparison. That doesn't mean this is true always, even in this parable. It may not be true. Parables differ, differ from fables in that a fable is not dealing with real life. In fables, you hear animals talk, as in Aesop's fable. But a moral is drawn from a fable. An allegory is also drawn from life situation. 
But unlike a parable, each detail has meaning. For example, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia are essentially allegories in which each detail has meaning. The parable that we consider this morning deals with agriculture. In other words, it is drawn from a real-life situation. And the chief point of comparison is the soil's response to the seed sown. And this parable teaches us the effect of the Word of God, the effect of the gospel proclaimed. The gospel of the kingdom of God depends upon the state of the soil, which is the human heart. He speaks in parables to the crowd, but he explains the parables to his disciples in private. He speaks in parables to the crowd not only to reveal the nature of the kingdom of God, but also to conceal and veil the meaning of the kingdom of God to those who are not ordained to eternal salvation. Parables are dealing with the kingdom of God in its present and future aspects. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, the rule of God has come. And in the 11th chapter of Matthew, we read it is forcefully advancing. The kingdom of God, the rule of God is forcefully advancing in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And forceful men, men of faith, women of faith, men of repentance, forceful men. Isn't that interesting? Those who repent and those who believe are called here forceful men, powerful men. They are laying hold of the kingdom of God. Then there are others like the religious and political leaders. They reject the rule of this kingdom. They mock the king. They blaspheme him teaching of Jesus in parables in actuality conceal the nature of the kingdom to those who are unbelieving and reveals the kingdom to those who believe. God hides this gospel, this good news of salvation from the wise and learned and reveals it to little children. So parables do this job of concealing and revealing. You should read Matthew 13, 10 through 17. There this point is clearly revealed. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus is the son of David, the king. Jesus, the king, saves his people from their sins and brings them into the kingdom of God. 
a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy and life. One damns himself by mocking Jesus Christ and rejecting him, but all those who trust in him will be saved. And let's look at the effect of the word of the kingdom upon various hearts. I said the heart is the matter. The first type of people to whom the gospel comes, I call them the paved hearts, hard hearts. These are people who come to church regularly and hear the gospel preached. There is no problem with the seed. Let's be very clear about this. And there is no problem with the preacher. The seed is the gospel. The preachers are God's servants. I'm speaking about churches that preach the true gospel. There are many churches today that preach a false gospel. There are many preachers who are in reality agents of Satan. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, messengers of Satan masquerading themselves as preachers of the gospel, as angels of light. No, I'm speaking about churches that preach the gospel faithfully week after week. But people of soil, number one, are people of hardened hearts. They are hardened by sin. They hear the truth, but they suppress the truth. They do not like it. They do not welcome it. They do not want to understand it. They hear it, but they do not understand the meaning of it. And what is the meaning? That Jesus Christ is the king, and in him the kingdom of God is advancing in power to save those who will trust in Christ. That Jesus Christ conquers Satan and saves all who will welcome him, surrender to him and receive him. I know of a woman who said she could not understand a thing her pastor was preaching. Yet I know her pastor. He is a faithful preacher. Others understand him very well. Yet this woman sits there and understands essentially nothing. And she was trying to blame the preacher. No, the heart is the matter. Some did not understand even Jesus Christ. Though Jesus was the greatest communicator the world has ever known, he was the greatest exegete of the of the Father. He is the Word. He is communication. He was in the bosom of the Father, and he was sent to this world to exegete, to explain, to declare, and proclaim who the Father is. That God the Father loves the world, and has given his Son, that they may not perish but be saved. Yes, he used parables, yet some did not understand him. The problem is not with Jesus Christ. The problem is not with his word. The heart is the matter. The problem is the human heart, the hard heart, the sin-loving heart, the truth-suppressing heart. 
The word is despised and exposed. No interest in the kingdom of God. No interest in the world to come completely satisfied by the kingdom of Satan. Kingdom of this age. They have no need. They are spiritually dead and insensitive. They hate Christ the King. They hate his attributes of sovereignty. His attribute of holiness and purity and omnipotence and omniscience. They hate him. Preaching is a wasted effort with reference to them. Yet, gospel must be preached to all. To the paved heart people, the preaching only increases their guilt. To them, the gospel becomes the smell of death. Think of the religious leaders who heard the gospel. Think of Herod and Tippus who heard the gospel. Think of Pilate who heard the gospel. Think of Felix who even trembled when the gospel was proclaimed to him by St. Paul. Think of Festus. Think of Agrippa. They would not receive the gospel. They would not bow down to the King Jesus. They are hard. They are like Pharaoh who hardened his heart. Even though irrefutable miracles were performed before him by Moses through the power of the Holy Spirit. But he hardened his heart and we read in the scripture therefore God hardened his heart that he may not be saved. But the word always accomplishes its purpose to which it is sent. It is not that God sits in heaven and sends out the word through the messengers and and he is hoping that you will receive and, and all of a sudden you don't receive and God is frustrated and unhappy and miserable and, and wringing his hands and pacing the floor. So no. The word of God always accomplishes the purpose to which it is sent. And it is sent for two purposes. One is to damn you and the other is to save you. It's that simple. To some it is the smell of death. To other it is the fragrance that gives life. So never, never think that the word of God meets with failure. In the heart of those who harden their hearts, the word judges them. Those people are in the churches, the hard-hearted person. They are sleepy, they are yawning, they are easily distracted. They laugh at the little story, but they don't understand the heart of the message. They have to get up and go every few minutes. They are not focused. They don't know what is going on. The devil prevents them from focusing on the word. The devil comes immediately and removes the word. Lest they believe and be saved, the scripture says. The devil understands correct theology. The devil is evangelical. The devil knows. The gospel that says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But the devil doesn't want anyone to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So as soon as the word is spoken, the devil is there to remove that word from those who refuse to understand it. 
who expose it, who despise it, who will not focus upon it, who will not exercise their mind to understand it. The devil is here this morning, as well as demons. The Holy Spirit also is here this morning. And the devil will do his work upon those who will not listen. The Spirit of the living God will do his work upon those who will listen. Oh yes, the devil understands correct theology. The devil knows if a sinner believes the word of the kingdom, he will be saved. But the devil does not want you to be saved. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh sinner, will you not understand? Oh friend, will you not believe the gospel and be saved this morning? Will you not stop hardening your heart? And be saved today. How long will you have this opportunity? Ask yourself. Man is vapor. Man is like the flower of the grass. And then we have the stony heart. These are also people who come to church and hear the gospel week after week. They are warm. They are emotional. They easily respond to everything. But they are shallow, they are superficial, they are rootless. They join the church without deliberation and reflection. They hate thinking. They check their minds outside, they come in to be happy. Let me tell you, the evangelical churches are full of them. They don't understand the cross. And they don't want to understand the cross. They are like people who... Like a boy and a girl, they see each other and instantly fall in love. They will get married the same day. But at the sight of the first problem, they'll get out. When you lose your job or when the doctor said you have cancer or whatever else it is, at the sight of the first problem, they get out. They are infants. They never matured. They don't understand repentance. They don't understand the nature of sin. They want forgiveness. Yes. They like eternal life, but they don't like obedience to Jesus Christ. They don't know what to make of what Jesus said. You have to hate your father, mother, your brother, sister, your own children, your own life. You have to hate everything. And you have to deny yourself, take up the cross daily and follow me. That you'll be killed by the world who killed Jesus Christ. They don't understand they want an easy Christianity. If the gospel make me happy, I'll be a Christian. Don't teach me doctrines. I don't like doctrines. Please entertain me. Oh, such people don't like trials and afflictions and temptations and pressures and persecutions. Give me a gospel of cheap grace that will not make any demand upon my life. Give me a gospel of health and wealth and power and position. Give me a gospel of happiness. Give me a gospel that assures me a good life. Not in the world to come, but here and now. These are impulsive, emotional, shallow, thoughtless Christians. Superficially happy. Who will join quickly and resign also very quickly. I have seen quite a number of them in my life. 
But let me tell you, they are not born again. Just like the paved heart people, stony heart people are not born again. They make simulation for a while, but they are not born again. They have not repented. They do not understand the gospel. They soon fall away. Are you one of these? If you are, I say to you this morning, repent. Ask God to take away your stony heart. And the Bible promises he will give you a heart of flesh. That you may trust in Christ the Savior. And be brought into this advancing, all-conquering kingdom of God. Then there is the thorny heart. And this heart is preoccupied, meaning it is occupied before they hear the gospel. Preoccupied. The soil, of course, looks clean on the surface, but it is an infested ground. There is a secret below the surface, hidden agenda. Seeds of thorns are underneath. These people come to church regularly also. They hear the gospel. They receive the gospel. The seed of the word sprouts in them. It grows for a while. But the seeds of thorns also grow. They grow. They grow and they grow. They grow with great vigor and they flourish. But we we are told the thorns finally choke and destroy the word of the gospel. In their mind, pleasure is the consummate goal of their life. Pleasure. And then they begin to worry. How can I get maximum pleasure? And they soon discover, yes, you can get maximum pleasure by maximum money. Deceitfulness of riches Riches deceives them. So they subscribe to this materialistic philosophy because if you have money, then you can have pleasure. Oh, this is not just a problem of the rich. It is also a problem of the poor who believes in his heart that pleasure comes through money. And so he worries and worries and worries and works hard all his life. The poor wants to get rich, and rich wants to get richer, and richer wants to get the richest. If only I had more money, all my problems would be solved. And so we struggle and work hard. Worries of this life and lust for other things. We see a man, we spoke last night, his name is, was Demas, who, who was a, an associate of St. Paul, and he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. He told people that they should repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may be saved. But then he looked at St. Paul, they arrested him, and he is about to be executed. And we read this in Second Timothy chapter 4. Demas has abandoned me. And then he says, how did this happen? Having loved this present world. Here is a man who preached the world to come, but loved the present world. He realized what matters is really money. 
money, will bring pleasure. So he went to Thessalonica to do business. He abandoned St. Paul and the gospel that he preached. May God deliver you from delusions of materialism. And may God reveal to you the reality of this world and the world to come. May God reveal to you this world is passing away and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And God is about to create a new heaven and a new earth upon which dwells righteousness. May God reveal to you true salvation is in the kingdom of God. That is the sphere of eternal life. And you enter it through trust in Jesus Christ alone. May God reveal to you this frantic, frenetic activity to make money. That you may get maximum pleasure. May God reveal to you that spirit of materialism does not bring pleasure but pain. Notice the Holy Spirit uses the word thorns. Thorns. Oh, it is a knife. It is a boa constrictor. And you play with it. This knife will cut you. This boa constrictor will constrict you. And what will happen to you will be that which happened to Judas who was greedy. Right after selling Jesus Christ for money, he was filled with guilt, became insane. He threw his money away and he hanged himself. And the Bible says his intestines came out. I don't know whether he got much pleasure out of it. Understand what you think is not true. It's a delusion. It's an illusion. It's a deception. What you think that this will give you pleasure is not true. It is a thorn. If a child comes to you and says, I have a thorn in my fingers, what do you do? <laughs> you would say, praise God, you got a thorn, that's nice. <laughs> oh no, you want to take it out? Take it out. The spirit of the living God is speaking to you. If you are committing yourself and serving mammon, and the spirit of materialism thinking this will bring you pleasure. I say get out of this stupidity. This is delusion. This is unreality. Jesus Christ said it is impossible for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. It is true. Not only the man with money but every person who thinks money will solve your problem. It's impossible for you to get into the kingdom of God. But that which is impossible for man is possible with God. So I exhort you to love God with all your heart. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's a dangerous man because he's about to fall. Avoid him who trusts in money. Do not go near him because he will fall and will harm you. Now the fourth is the good heart. 
And Luke says, beautiful and good heart. But my problem is this, all hearts are evil. We are told all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are told heart is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And in Mark chapter 7, beginning with the verse 20, Jesus Christ says, heart is the matter. He says this, for from within out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Heart is the matter. And if this is so, if all hearts are wicked and evil, how can anyone have a good heart to repent and believe on the gospel? How can anyone heal, accept, understand, persevere, and bring forth fruit? It's an impossibility. Unless, of course, God does something to these hearts before you begin to understand and before you repent and before you believe and so in the book of Matthew we read this Matthew 12 and verse 26 there is an amazing statement and here it says yes father for this was your good pleasure the will of God what was the good pleasure and look at verse 27 all things have been committed to me by my father no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and to those whom the son chooses to reveal him the sovereignty of God nobody tells him what to do or what not to do he rules he reigns he chooses he elects and to such it is the will of God the Father that his son should reveal what I'm trying to say to you is this the nature of the new covenant is that he will take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh that his spirit of God will come upon you and cause you to be born again you may have a heart of flesh that is pliable and responsive to the gospel oh yes there is election there is the sovereignty of God and there is the prior work of regeneration in which a new heart is given in place of this wicked stupid unresponsive paved heart thorny heart and stony heart it is all taken out and now the 13th chapter verse 11 we read here the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you in the perfect passive tense it's given to you it's yours it's given to you some time ago and it is still yours and it will be yours always unto the end of the ages but then we are told what but not to them not to them this is divine good pleasure to some it is given in other words the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God is a gift 
This knowledge that Jesus is the King, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. The one who conquers Satan and his kingdom and delivers the hostages. Set them free. That knowledge is given to some and not given to others. This is divine good pleasure. He shows mercy to whomever he wants to show mercy. That's how our wicked hearts are changed into good hearts. Oh, read this, the 16th verse. Read this wonderful thing. But blessed are your eyes because they see. Oh, the unbelievers and the authorities and politicians, they also saw Jesus with their eyes. They heard with their ears. But this is a different seeing. This is a seeing that in Jesus they saw the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of David, the Savior of the world. A spiritual insight granted to some and not to the other. Divine discrimination. And I say to you, if you belong to that category, this is a benediction from heaven upon you. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. You are seeing Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, the eternal God, God incarnate. The one who conquers the demons and Satan and defeats them thoroughly. The one who has the keys of hell and death. The one to whom is given all authority in heaven and on earth. But the others they see and call him a blasphemer. A demon possessed person, a Samaritan. And yet, for I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see. The saints of the Old Testament, as well as the prophets in the Old Testament, they long to see the incarnate Son of God. Oh, they were given some spiritual understanding. They saw him by faith, but they never saw him as the incarnate Son of God. And Jesus Christ says, you are a blessed people. Abraham wanted to see, Isaiah wanted to see. Jeremiah wanted to see. The righteous men of the Old Testament, they all wanted to see and hear. But you are seeing him and hearing his words. You are blessed. Hallelujah. You are blessed. Oh, yes. Good heart people, they understand that God's kingdom is advancing in the coming of Jesus Christ. And those who believe in him enter it and enjoy rest forever. But let me tell you the marvel of this parable, the wonder of this parable is this. What is it? In spite of all obstacles and opposition and resistance to Jesus Christ and to his message... In spite of Satan and sin and unbelief and a hostile world, the kingdom of God is advancing, not retreating, advancing, conquering and to conquer, putting down every rebellion and arrogance. Those who are ordained to salvation are being saved. And they are responding to the gospel. And they are bringing forth fruit for the glory of God. No Satan, no sin can stop the powerful advance of God's kingdom in Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit of God. 
Oh, the irresistible grace and the omnipotence of the kingdom of God. There was a eunuch in Acts chapter 8, and he was reading the Bible, Isaiah 53. And Philip asked, Eunuch, do you understand anything? <laughs> I don't understand a thing. And Philip preached, and the Holy Spirit opened his eyes. And that eunuch instantly became a Christian and was ushered into the kingdom of God. And St. Paul went to Europe, to Philippi, and there he was preaching to a bunch of women. And there was a woman by name Lydia, the seller of purple. And she was there listening to the gospel. But how can a person with a bad heart respond to the gospel unless God gives a good heart and instantly it was granted to her? The Lord opened her heart and gave her ability to respond to the gospel. And she was saved. And he was in the jail in Philippi. And in the middle of the night, they got up, began to praise and sing. There was an earthquake. The door was opened. The chain were broken. And the jailer was about to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do it. We all are here. And then he cries out and says, what must I do to be saved? And he said, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saved and your household. And he was saved instantly. Oh, King Jesus, conquer all stony hearts. Break down all resistance to your rule. Give us hearts of flesh. Thy kingdom come. Save us, we pray. Remove our hardness. Remove our rebellion. Remove our preoccupation with this world. Remove our blindness. Spirit of the living God, fall upon us. Give us new life that we may repent and believe on King Jesus and be saved forever. Hallelujah. And every eye closed and every head bowed. If you never trusted in Jesus Christ, and if you would trust in him this morning, I welcome you to come forward. And if you are a person who trusted in Christ but was living a backslidden life, I say to you, come forward. Be single-hearted. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Any person who wants to receive a blessing from the King of kings and Lord of lords, I invite you to come forward and cry out to this King. The Bible says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved, saved, saved. Yes, to some it is given. To others... It is veiled. It is hidden. Heavenly Father, we are very aware where the gospel is preached. There is also Satan and demons ready to oppose that word. And, and ready to take it away from the hearts of those people who are careless and thoughtless. Oh God, we pray that you have mercy upon us. That we will treasure your word. May we experience the joy of salvation. 
For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Amen.